Well, good morning to you as well. Uh, this is, as Dave mentioned, part of our Simplify series. This is week number four of five in this January Sunday series. And if you're new to Calvary or haven't been here in a while, our philosophy of teaching here on Sundays is to open the Bible and to go verse by verse in a book of the Bible. So there's 66 books in the Bible. So any given Sunday, you can find us in a book of a Bible, studying that book, going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And the reason that we like doing that is we feel like it's a simple, easy way to communicate and for us as a church to receive, because you kind of know where you're going in the passage. And we like the idea that as you go verse by verse and chapter by chapter and book by book, you see that the book of the Bible is connected and that there's one great story of God's redemption that's found in the Bible. So that's how we normally do things here on Sunday. But for this month, we're changing it up a little bit and we're going into the topic of Simplify. And the reason for that is because we are burdened as a church leadership team Uh, For us and for you as Calvary Church, we're burdened in the fact that we feel like we as people are too busy, that we have too much clutter in our lives, that we're stressed out, that we're overwhelmed. And at some point, if we don't reset all of this, we're all going to be walking unhealthy lives, totally disconnected from God. And so we believe that as we start this year, 2016, which I don't know if that's still strange for you to write that. So you write things down. Oh yeah, six, six. But as we start this new year, we believe this is a crucial time to invite the Lord to change our lifestyles, to intercede in our lives and impact us in new and fresh ways, to slow our pace, to look at the stuff that we have And say, when is enough enough? To practice Sabbath and rest. To acknowledge that we have a soul beyond the physical material of our bodies. And as Dave mentioned today, to look at relationships and how we can take such a complicated thing and somehow make it simple. And the whole point of this is not just so that we're more organized, but the point of this is that we're connected to God. Don't you want that in 2016? Just to have your souls uncluttered and be able to connect with God in greater ways? I know that's my prayer this month as we go through this series. And today we're talking about relationships, and I don't have to convince you very hard that relationships are difficult. But if you needed one more kind of piece of information of, Reminding yourself that relationships are difficult, they're complicated, they're messy. Well, then watch this video right here. I'd like to get a tattoo of my girlfriend's name on my arm. Great. Her name's Christina. 
Uh, with a Y. <laughs> she spells it with a, a Y. Like C-R-Y-S-T-I-N-A. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she also likes hearts. So if you could do like a heart, she likes the color blue and um, sometimes red. Great. 200 bucks. Let's go. Remember, it's Christina with a Y. Yeah, I got it. It's like C-R-Y-S-T-I. Oh, that's cold. You're joking, right? <laughs> that is perfect. Look at that. It's Christina. For 50 bucks, I could turn that into a dragon. All right. Now, as we talk about relationships here this morning, we are talking about a spouse relationship, uh, a dating relationship, Christina with a Y. Uh, but I want to expand it even more from spouse or dating uh, to also include family members and friends and relationships with non-Christians, and Christian brothers and sisters, and even strangers. All of those can encompass when we talk about simplifying relationships. So open your Bible, if you have your Bible or you have your phone. Um, turn to Genesis chapter 1. First book in the Bible, first chapter. And specifically go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis 1, verse 26, I'll just read simply that verse. And this is what it says. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, if you've ever studied the book of Genesis, you've probably come across this chapter, obviously, and also this verse, Genesis 1.26. There's some key things that I want to point out about what verse 26 says that I think will be helpful in our conversation about relationships. Notice here it says that God talking here, being quoted, said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. 
Now we know from a study of the scriptures that there is one God. And yet notice that God doesn't say, let me make man in my image. He says, us and are. He uses the plural as, as he's being quoted here in Genesis chapter 1. Well, why is that? If God's one, one God, there's one true God, why is he using the plural here? And as you look in this passage and look at the original language and then look throughout the Bible, you get an indication, an idea of why he does that. Because we have one true God, but within that one true God, we have three distinct persons. The Father, the Son, who is Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Now let me give you a 15-second overview teaching of the Trinity. Are you ready? Buckle up. God the Father is God, and yet God the Father is distinct from the Son, Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son, is 100% God. Amen? Amen. Jesus is God, and yet He is distinct from the Father and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is God, and yet the Holy Spirit is distinct from God the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. Are you all ready for your quiz? (laughs) The Trinity is a Admittedly a complicated subject, but it's the idea that it's one God in three persons. And as you look through the Bible, you see that the Trinity is the perfect relationship. The triune Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, have perfect communication, have perfect understanding, have perfect unity. So we look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and God says, let us, this triune Godhead, make man in our image. So God, by his very nature, is a relational God. And made in his image, we therefore are relational people. You follow me so far? We're wired for relationships. It's in our DNA as a reflection of our Creator. But there's some bad news. Turn from Genesis 1 to Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, we read about the fall of humanity. It started with Adam and Eve, but honestly, if any of us were in that garden, we would have made the same mistake. Adam and Eve choose not God's way, but their ways. And as a result of that, God is disconnected from them. Sin is enters the world, and we all inherit the sin nature of what happened in the garden. In Genesis chapter 3, you see before sin enters the world, that Adam and Eve have this perfect relationship with God. After sin enters the world, that relationship is broken. And it says that Adam and Eve, here in Genesis 3, they go and they hide from God. And they cover themselves because not only is their relationship with God broken, but their relationship with each other is fractured. And so they hide in their shame. So broken relationship with God, broken relationship with one another. This is the bad news that we read in the scriptures. And as a result, our relationships here in this world are full of things like mistrust, mistrust, misunderstanding, miscommunication, and ultimately at the root of our sin problem 
is selfishness. Each of us carries selfishness into every single relationship, whether it's our best of friends or even a stranger. There's an element because of our sin nature that we are selfish in every relationship. And so the answer is, let's all just move to Oregon, live as hermits in our own little bedroom or cabin. Let's never interact with anyone ever again so that we'll never be hurt by anyone and no one will ever hurt us. You guys in? Let's do it. Apocalypse coming. (laughs) But no, that's not the answer because as we're made in God's image, he's made us to be relational. He's made us to need relationships. Number one, our relationship with him. But he's also created in us a need and a desire to have relationships with each other. Better together. This fall, we went through the book of Ephesians. We were studying the idea that in community, we're better together. We'll pick up that thought again when we hit Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 this spring. So we truly are better together, yet we do have this problem that sin's fractured every relationship. But here's the good news, is that Jesus Christ, the scripture said, came into this world to seek and to save the lost. Do you believe this? This is what the scriptures tell us, that Jesus Christ came into this world to seek and to save the lost. And anyone who comes to Jesus Christ and admits and acknowledges that he's their savior and the Lord, the leader of their life, their relationship with God through Jesus is restored. And then listen to this. Their relationship with people can be reconciled. Because as we're reconciled to God, we have the ability to reconcile with one another. And so here, write this thought down. Here's kind of the crux of this whole idea of simplifying relationships. When we look to Jesus, our relationships with one another can move from chaotic to simple. When we look to Jesus, our relationships with one another can move from chaotic to simple. Turn from the first book in Genesis, the first book of the Old Testament. Now go to the first book in the New Testament, the book of Matthew. Turn to Matthew. Or stop playing Candy Crush and switch over your Bible app. Matthew chapter 11 is where I want us to go. Matthew 11, verse 28, 29, and 30. So Jesus' words. You can read them on the screen if it's easier for you or look at your device or scriptures. This is what it says. Come to me, this is Jesus talking, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In your Bible, that last line is probably in all caps. Now, it doesn't mean that Jesus is yelling this. Although, maybe that's possible he was. But this is a reference for us in our English Bibles that this is an Old Testament quotation. And so Jesus here is quoting from the prophet Jeremiah. In fact, in your simplified journal, the inside of the back cover has that direct quote. Jesus is saying you'll find rest for your souls. And then verse 30, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Such great words here. Jesus is saying, I am salvation. Because of sin, you are weary and burdened. You're trying to do it on your own and you're falling on your face over and over again. And Jesus says, come to me. You're tired. You can't handle this sin issue on your own. Come to me and I will give you rest. Now, does this mean like the best nap ever? Possibly. But ultimately, he said, I'm giving you rest from sin. I'm forgiving you once and for all. Come to me. Anyone can come to Jesus, whether you're rich or poor, smart or simple, whether you were born here or there, whether you have a past or you grew up in Sunday school, all are welcome to come to Jesus to find rest for our souls. And then it says, my yoke is easy. Using a first century metaphor here, but Jesus is basically saying, give up your agenda. Surrender your will. Let me be the leader, the Lord of your life. And so Jesus gives us this beautiful invitation. Basically, he's saying, I'm your savior. Don't look anywhere else. You found what you need. Now, there's an issue, though, that I think we all run into. And that is, do we release our burdens of sin, our need for a Savior? Do we release that to the one who gives us true rest? Or do we run to other people to try to find that rest? My challenge for us, and this is in your journal, is to release your burdens to look to Jesus as your Savior, not people. Because I think there's two temptations that we face in relationships. The first temptation is this, and this complicates a lot of things, is that we place a burden on ourselves to be a savior to other people. We try to be a savior to our kids. We try to be a savior to our friends, to our coworkers, to fill in the blank. We try to save them. We try to give them the rest that only Jesus can give them. Or a second temptation complicates relationships is we ask somebody else to be our savior. We look to an earthly relationship and we ask them to save us. Now, I'm not saying that you literally go up to somebody and you're like, save me from my sins! (laughs) But in what we say and how we act in the unspoken expectations of our lives... We all do this. But notice Jesus doesn't say, look at the screen here behind me. Jesus doesn't say, come to your spouse, your family, your friends, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and they will give you rest. Take your spouse, your family and friends, yoke upon you and learn from them, for they are gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls, for your spouse, your family, your friends. Their yoke is easy and their burden is light. He doesn't say that, does he? Obviously. Now, this doesn't minimize the role that each of us have in each other's lives. Huge. Better together. I don't want to contradict myself or confuse you. And yet, what order do we place relationships? I love weddings. We mentioned Lauren and Josh getting married. I love weddings. I love being a part of weddings. I love the part in the wedding when the vows are made, when the promises are given to one another. But how many of you have ever been to a wedding, and there's no judgment if this was part of your vows because we were young and innocent and 
whatever. But uh, how many of you like stood there or been at a wedding where you've seen a bride or a groom go, and I promise to make you happy. I promise to meet every one of your needs. I promise to always understand you. Maybe. (laughs) And everyone that's married in the audience when you're watching something like this is just like trying to keep it in because you're like, yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) That's not going to last past the reception. (laughs) And yet we place these expectations. And it's not just married life. It's really every relationship that we've been a part of. You know, and this is going to make you hungry for a moment, but you know the Tudor, is it Tudor Fresco down the street on 17th? Shout out to them. They give you 5% off to mention them. No. I, <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. But um, I, had a, I had a conversation down there that really changed my life a few years ago. There was a guy, was a good friend of mine, and his life was unraveling. Literally, his life was just falling apart. And I'm sitting with him at this restaurant, and I have the spiritual gift of mercy. Some of you have that gift. And there's good and bad things about that spiritual gift. One of the good things is that you literally hurt for people that are hurting. You feel their pain. One of the negative things about that spiritual gift is you try to fix people and be their savior. And here I am at Tudo Fresco. Listen to this guy. His life's falling apart. And I begin to make a plan. And I begin to tell him, hey, okay, we're going to meet three days a week. Uh, I'm going to give you a book list to share, and you're going to report back to me on it. I'm going to gather a bunch of your friends who you've ostracized and, and hurt, and I'm going to help mediate those relationships so that you can get them back to normal. Your job is really putting, putting you down. I'm going to find you a new job. I'm saying these things to him. And then in his pain, this was such a revelation, he just looks at me and he goes, Matt, you can't be my savior. I wasn't trying to be. I was just trying to. (laughs) Oh, such a game-changing moment in my life. How many of us try to step in ahead of God and try to save people? Or how many of us do the opposite and trust in somebody else to save us, to give us significance, to shape our identity, to give us joy and peace? A simplified relationship releases burdens, looking to Jesus as our Savior, not people. You see, when we allow our day-to-day relationships with others to complement, not complete. Do you see that? Not to compete, complement. When we allow our day-to-day relationships to complement, not compete, then that makes our relationships a lot more simple. Here's another thing that I think it's just a universal principle in the scriptures that simplifies relationships. It's releasing our bitterness. It's allowing the forgiveness that we receive from Jesus Christ to be poured out to others. Go from Matthew 11 and now go to Matthew 18. Just a few chapters over. Matthew 18, specifically verse 21 and 22. If you've never seen this chapter in the Bible, you need to like read the whole thing this week because it's amazing. But let me just pick up 21 and 22. It says, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? 
little context here is that there were Jewish rabbis in the first century who, taking kind of an obscure passage from the Old Testament prophet Amos, said, oh, no, no, you only have to forgive somebody three times. After three times, you have no obligation to forgive someone. That wasn't God's intention, but they misread the passage, and that's what they came up with. And so here's Peter asking Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone who legitimately sins against me? And and Peter doubles it and adds one. And he goes, seven times, being really generous. Look at Jesus' response in 22. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For you non-math majors, that's 490 times. Now that doesn't mean on the 491th time we're exempt. Jesus is making a bigger proclamation here. He's saying that my relationship, Jesus, his relationship with us is marked by forgiveness. Therefore, as followers of Jesus, our relationships with one another should be marked by forgiveness. Look to the cross in Jesus' most isolated, painful, scary, difficult moment. Jesus being mocked. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Jesus had every right not to forgive, to withhold forgiveness in that moment. And yet he offers it freely. Aren't you thankful for that? Because that same forgiveness is what applies to us. And so 490 times, the spirit of that is be people of forgiveness. Bill Hybels, who has written a book that many of our life groups are going through this month, he writes, we can't live simplified lives without attending to broken relationships. And then he goes further to say, you know, really you can categorize you know, offenses towards you in one of three ways. Category one are like speed bumps in your life. You don't get invited somewhere that you thought you should get invited. and You feel a little overlooked. Or someone makes a comment to you that hurts your feelings. I remember uh, my first year being married, someone came up to me and they're like, hey Matt, you look really happy in marriage. I go, oh, thank you. They're like, yeah, yeah, because usually when people are happy, they gain a lot of weight. I don't know what to do with that. (laughs) Jacob Ravenscraft, I need you. Uh, There's little speed bumps in life. People make a comment. You don't get invited somewhere. Really? Those are things that as 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says, love is not easily provoked. We should let those things go. They don't change our lives. We don't, we don't need to let them fester in our hearts. I mow the lawn every weekend. This is me <laughs> mowing my lawn. And um, it's often a great time for me just to connect with God. The mower's loud. I can't really hear anything else. And I just talk to God as I'm mowing my lawn. Sometimes it takes me four hours and we only have a little tiny... Well, you've, you've heard about my grass. I'll stop with that. Um, but I mow my lawn. But every once in a while as I'm mowing, like, a conversation will pop in my head from this week. Why did that person say that? What did that person mean when they said that? You should really hold revenge. That that should make you angry. And I just start getting worked up. 
as I'm mowing my lawn. As I stand there, I'm just becoming embittered. It's overtaking me. And yet, these Category 1 offenses really don't need to have that much power over our lives. Pastor David Mitchell, our senior pastor here, so thankful for his encouragement and input in my life. He pulled me aside one day. I think he's, I have a sensitive heart, and he pulled me aside and just in pastoral way goes, hey, Matt, I encourage you to have a soft heart towards God and towards people and a thick skin. Soft heart, thick skin. Don't get those two things reversed. And I think a lot of us need to just practice that. Keep a soft heart towards people, even if they say a comment that, oh, what did that mean? Have a soft heart. Have thick skin, not to let every little thing destroy you. And then we get to category two. This is more than a speed bump. This is a genuine wound in your life. Someone breaks a promise to you. Someone lies to you. Someone intentionally, purposely injures you by their words or their action. This is an area of our Christian lives that I think we need to pay more attention to. Because when they're category two offenses, we as Christians do not know what to do with it. And yet Matthew 18 gives us some plain instructions. Go a couple of verses up to Matthew 18, 15. It says, If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, do you see where I'm at? Matthew 18, 15. If he listens to you, you have one your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now, I know where your minds go when you read that passage. Like, wait, what's the whole, like, Gentile tax collector? Like, we stand in front of the church? Let's not worry about that part. Let's start with the first instruction. If you've been sinned against or you've been hurt, go. Go to that person and begin, initiate biblical reconciliation. And as part of that reconciliation, forgive. In your notes, there's a address to dig into this deeper. It's calvarylife.org slash simplify. And if you go to Sunday messages and you click on digging deeper for today, you'll find some incredible Incredible help here. There's a thing there called the four G's of conflict of resolution. So good. Because as Christians, so many of us are inadequate in this whole arena. I mean, how many of you have ever been offended or hurt at a category two before? All of us. Okay, don't raise your hand on this one, but how many of you have ever experienced healthy biblical reconciliation from a category two offense. So raise your hand, but just think about it. That percentage is a lot smaller. And yet, as Christians who live out the gospel, the good news of Jesus, we're called to do this. We're called to reconcile and to forgive. And then you have category three. This is a whole different arena. This is life-altering events. This is your daughter gets killed by a drunk driver. This is you have a crime committed against you. This is you've been abused. This is you've had an affair experienced against you. This is life-changing. This is you live with this every single day the rest of your life. 
And yet, just like category one and category two, as followers of Jesus, will you choose the path of forgiveness or the path of bitterness? I have some friends here today, and I'm so glad that they're here. Uh, the Van Essens, if you know them, and the Hendricks are dear friends and families here at Calvary Church. And they've connected me to some incredible pastors. And I'm not going to make you preach right now, because we joked last night that whenever a preacher's in a guest church, they often get asked to preach at the last minute. But <laughs> I'm thankful for them. We have Apollos from Niger who is here. And Apollos, can you just raise your hand where you're at? There's Apollos kind of in the middle of our sanctuary right there. And next to him is Carlos and Rosario, and they're from Costa Rica. Bienvenidos! I'm glad that you're here as well. Can we just give them a Calvary welcome for a moment? That's all I'm going to do, I promise. That's it, right there, okay? But uh, these guys have the most amazing story. Pastor in Costa Rica, pastor in Niger, which is in Africa, okay? Get that? And uh, they met at Lusanne Conference in 2010. They became instant buddies, friends, and now they're ministry partners. Costa Rica and Niger. It's amazing. Apollos from Niger was here a little bit after January. If January, remember what happened in Paris this fall, but if you even forget now, but uh, early last year in January, there was the satirical magazine that posted some things of Allah, and there was a terrorist attack on this magazine in Paris. You remember this? Well, part of part of uh, that response and the terrorism attack in Paris, what happened in Niger corresponded with that. Is there are some radical Muslims in Apollos' nation that took the events of Paris and used that as an excuse to burn down the churches in Niger. None of us have heard about this, right? About 90% of the churches in Niger, Christian churches, were burnt down in 2015. Can you imagine? That's a category three offense. Apollos and his humility has said every time he steps out of his house, he is at risk at being killed. And yet he proclaims the name of Jesus. And there was a group of pastors who got together and they went on national TV in Niger and they publicly on TV said, we forgive those who have burnt our churches. Because we follow Jesus Christ, we forgive and Apollos was telling me just yesterday that there is a radical movement of Jesus happening in the Niger right now because of this. There's Muslim clerics who say, I, I don't know how to answer. I would never do that. I, I would seek revenge. How can you be so forgiving? And the gospel is being proclaimed. So whether you're a category one or two or three, there is a path towards forgiveness empowered by the Holy Spirit. I wish that, if you can see this billboard I wish that there was dozens of these billboards all over Orange County so that we would just be reminded. I know I'm a forgetful person. I need reminders throughout my day that Jesus has forgiven me and then out of that, I'm called to forgive others. But our only hope in doing that is to embrace being the beloved, to know that we were dearly and desperately loved by Jesus. That's the only power and hope that we can possibly have and forgiving others and not making someone else our Savior by seeing Jesus and His love for us. Matthew 20, verse 28 says this, 
just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Do you ever question if God loves you? Look to the cross. Jesus gave his life for you. Maybe, admittedly, you are terrible, terrible at forgiving people. You're terrible at reconciliation. Jesus loves you. Maybe you're tempted to put your spouse or fill in the blank. You're tempted to find your significance and your value and your identity and your hope and your peace and your happiness through a person. Jesus loves you. He's demonstrated that on the cross. If we have any hope of simple relationships, it starts with the simple experience of embracing God's love. And then out of that, oh, we have the ability to live incredible relationships where we let go of burdens and bitterness. And people will notice. So this is what I want us to do. I want us to respond to this whole concept in a couple ways. The first is I want you to gather with three or four people around you. Introverts, you can do this. I believe in you. I want you to gather with three or four people around you, and I want you just to discuss just these two questions, just for a couple minutes. Why do you think God created us to be wired for relationships? And how does God's love for you impact your relationship with others? So find three or four people around you and I'll call you back to attention in a couple minutes. Go for it. Okay, let me call you back to attention. I know it's cruel to release you and interrupt you. But I want to give you a couple more things related to simplifying relationships. So look back up here for a moment. Don't turn on me. (laughs) 
What we do here on Sundays is not meant to be just a place that we... It's not meant to just stick in here. We're called to live out the things that we hear and respond to beyond this room. And I want to invite you to do that in a couple of practical ways this morning. One is, place your faith in Jesus this morning. If you don't know if you're a Christian, if you don't have peace with God, if he's not the Savior, the leader, the Lord of your life, let today be the day that you can mark January 24th, 2016. I stepped from death to life and made Jesus my Savior and my leader. There's a booklet in the seat rack in front of you. It's called uh, The Way to Connect to God. And I invite you to pull that out if you're not a Christian or if you want to know more. Read through that and there's a prayer at the end that you can adopt as your own prayer. Or there'll be an opportunity as we respond through music in a moment to come up to the sides here and pray with a Christian. I invite you to place Jesus the center of your life. Do it today. Maybe you're already a believer but you're not involved in community. We have a thing that we call life groups here. It's basically a small group that's centered around God's word and lives out the one another's with each other. Now, we're not called to be the savior to one another, but we're called to walk alongside each other and support each other and point each other to Jesus. And I want to specifically speak to those that used to be in a life group but are no longer in one. Jump back in. You need this. The Christian life is not designed to be lived alone. In fact, if you look in your journal, I actually wrote this down, Ron. It says, you are designed to live the Christian life alone. That's not right. (laughs) Make sure in your journal you put, you are not designed to live the Christian life alone. That's my fault. Another step could be this. Pursue a broken relationship in your life. And I'm going to invite you to journal about this in a moment. Maybe you need to scroll through your phone and who's a person on your contact list that you go, ugh, I would hate to accidentally pocket dial that person. Is that a person you need to seek reconciliation with today? I'm going to give you a few moments here, just you and God. Open your journal back up to page 16. Write down some names, people you need to connect with, or even respond to the journal questions that are on there give you a few minutes to do that and then we'll respond with worship. So go for it.
we're going to respond now with music. It's one opportunity to worship through music. Also around the room are tables, and on the tables are some pretty significant things. There's a little piece of bread and a little juice cup. And although they're little, they represent really big things. The bread represents Jesus' body that was broken for you. The cup represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. On the cross, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Jesus on the cross accomplished it. It is finished. Communion is not a way to be forgiven. It's a way to celebrate that you've been forgiven. And so if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, approach the communion tables with boldness and joy here today. And there's also a place to give. We want to be a people that are generous with our stuff and our money. We're called to give, the scriptures say. So you can give at the buckets at the stations. And then on the sides, there'll be an opportunity to pray with a fellow believer or to become a Christian here today. And so may I pray right now and then let's enter into worship. Father, I thank you that you alone are God. But Lord, in your triune Godhead, you have the perfect relationship Thank you for that model and thank you that you've created us in your image. God, I pray that as new reclaimed believers of you, that you'd allow us to walk away from putting someone else in your place. May we keep you as our savior. And God, may we forgive others easy as you have forgiven us difficultly. And so God, we give you this time. Speak to our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray.